to another edition of the Student Fire Podcast, live from the Speak Fire Studio. My name is Bobby Berg. I'm a motivational speaker for schools, and I'm here to help you live your best life today. What's going on, everyone? Bobby Berg here. Welcome back to another edition of Student Fire, live from the Speak Fire Studio. First off, I want to say thank you to every single person for tuning in. As a lot of you heard on the last episode, I was a guest on the Electrified Mind podcast, hosted by Philip Isaac. First off, if you haven't checked out his podcast, y'all, you need, you need to go check it out. It is so great. But this is part two of my interview with him. This is going to be a four-part series. This is part two. Strap in. This episode's about to get deep, and I'll catch you all at the bottom of the rabbit hole. Peace. Did it ever affect you that you didn't know your real father? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Did it ever affect you that you didn't know your real father? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. So growing up, it really didn't, I didn't care growing up. So my grandmother got emergency custody of me. Um, I I remember I started telling the story and kind of went off on a tangent instead. But um, I, my great grandmother and my mom were very close. And my mom refused to put my great grandmother in a home. So she said, hey, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take care of you no matter what. And at this point, my mom was kind of near the end of her drug addiction or she was trying to get help but was relapsing regularly and it was a mess. So we wound up breaking into our, one of our old houses that was up for sale because my grandmother owned the home and it was going to be a rental. And she said, you know, I know I have the key. Let's just break in and we'll stay here for a night or two. Well, my mom winds up Bringing, she goes out and she buys some paper towels and comes home. And she goes, wait a second, I got the wrong paper towels. I'll be back. I have to go back to the store to grab a couple things. And I'm thinking, to my, I'm about five years old at this point. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I'm not the most intelligent person, but I know that paper towels do one thing. They clean up messes. I don't care if it's Bounty. I don't care if it's Brawny. I don't care if it's the Walmart brand. It doesn't matter they clean up messes. So if we have to use two more sheets, you have to use two more sheets, but you don't really have to go somewhere to get new ones. But she left. So the house was cleaned out at that time. And there was, there was a, gallon, a half gallon of water in the fridge that someone had left when they were uh, cleaning the house out and no food. And I said, okay, that's fine. So my mom left that night and I look And the clock says that it's 11 o'clock and I'm getting tired. And I said, okay, let's put my great-grandmother to bed. I'll go to bed also and we'll we'll find something to eat in the morning. Well, five o'clock hits and I'm starving because I haven't eaten all day. Well, I said, okay, let's look around the cupboards. Even though I knew I knew I was not supposed to climb on the counter. I said, okay, there might be some food in the counter. Let's go look. Or in the cabinets. So I climb up and I look in the back and... There's a half box of Little Debbie's Donutettes, those white powdered ones that the powder gets everywhere. There were probably five or six of those in the box. And I said, oh, this is cool. We have some food. Well, my mom still isn't home. So about three o'clock in the afternoon hits. She's still not home. And my great-grandmother goes, Bobby, I'm, I'm hungry. And she didn't speak English. So in German, she goes, you know, I'm, I'm hungry. Do we have any food? And... I said, okay, sure. So I went and I got her one of those little donuts and broke it in half. And I said, here, this is all we have. 
I'll give you more when we have when after mom gets back. Well, a whole day passes and my mom is still not back. And my great grandmother keeps telling me, Bobby, I'm hungry, Bobby, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And I said, Well, I can give you water, but we don't really have a lot of food. So we're gonna have to make this work. And I gave her some uh, you know, some more of the donuts. I had, you know, a bite here or there, but that was it. Well, five days pass and my mom is nowhere to be found. We don't have any food left. We don't have any water left. And I remember laying in the living room and it's just empty. And I'm looking at the ceiling and I have this feeling come over me again, very similarly to how I did when I was at this one person's house and that fight broke out. And something in the back of my head said, Bobby, you're, if you don't do something drastic, you're going to die. Now, mind you, I'm five years old. Kids this young should not be having to experience these feelings. It shouldn't be a thing. And I understand that life is not perfect, but again, a five-year-old should not be considering the fact that they might starve to death if they don't do something drastic. So I don't know why this took me five days to think of, but no, I do. My mom had told us, don't tell anybody we're here. I don't care what happens. You don't tell anybody we're in the house because we'll get in trouble. And you know, your mom tells you something. So I said, okay, cool. I won't tell anybody we're here. Well, at this point, I didn't think everything was going to be okay. So I went outside, knocked on my neighbor's door, and she looks at me and her eyes just, there's big as saucer. She goes, Bobby, what? I didn't know you were here. What's going on? And I said, can I borrow your phone, please? And mind you, this is when we had house phones and cell phones weren't really a big thing. This was still early 90s. And I called my grandfather and I said, hey, can you come over to the old house? I'm hungry. And he's just as bewildered. He goes, what? You're, what do you? Uh, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. And he comes over and he looks at me and he goes, Bobby, what is, is your great grandmother here? I said, yeah, we're both here. He goes, where's your mom? I said, oh, she went to go get some paper towels, but she'll be back. And he took me out and we got some food and we came back and my grandmother saw me because she came with him and she goes, oh, no, 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 no. You haven't showered in a week. I can smell it. You haven't done any, you look emaciated. No, you guys are coming with me and we're going to, you know, I'm going to, you're coming with me. So after all of that, I was kind of, I remember thinking, why is this happening to me? I have two parents and I know I have two parents because every other kid has a mom and a dad. Where's my dad? Why am I going through this right now? Why is it that I have to go through all of this and my mom is the only one that cares? So for a long time, I really resented my father, really resented him. And growing up, um, especially when I became a teenager and I started getting into middle school and getting into sports, that I didn't realize that I was an angry kid growing up. When I started to get into contact sports, I realized I was a very angry person. <laughs> um, yeah, not having a dad there, it, it, it messed me up for a lot, a lot of years. I, I didn't understand where this anger was coming from. And that anger just stemmed directly from the fact that I felt that someone didn't want me. I felt that I, for years, actually really only until the past 10 years, really, I felt that I wasn't worth people's time. I felt that if one person that helped create me 
didn't want to be in my life or didn't want to be a part of me or my life, that I wasn't really worth people's time. Because if one person could do that, plenty of other people could do that too. And as I've grown up, I've realized that's not really a good mindset to have at all about it. But at the time, yeah, I really, I hated this guy. I, I remember I told myself, if I ever meet this guy, I'm going to beat him up as badly as I can. I don't care how big he is. I don't care how strong he is. I want him to feel how I felt because at the time I thought that's what was going to help and make it feel better. Right. But yeah, it was, it was really rough growing up and not, it was rough growing up internally because I had all these complex emotions that I didn't deal with for so long. And then having to put it on the table and go, listen, you have to deal with this. It, it, it took a while. It wasn't easy. Yeah. It breaks my heart to uh, hear stories of, children that are neglected, which you certainly sound like you were. I, I, would, I just want you to know this, man. I, um, I went through an angry period too at my father. And the last time I saw him, I was no more than four years old. So we're certainly not alone uh, feeling that way. How did you shift that though? You know, for me, I came to realize that, I don't know if the anger completely left. It took a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it, took, it took a long time, right? But, but this feeling of, there was a time that, that I went and searched for my father. Did you ever search for your father? Um, surprisingly enough, yeah. Um, so I decided, so my senior year of college, I didn't really have a big plan. I, the way scheduling worked out, I was going to have to either cram six classes into one semester, which could I have passed? Sure. Would it have been good work or even decent work? Absolutely not. It would have been complete. I would have had a mental breakdown. I could already see it. Or I could have taken an extra semester to just focus on my student teaching. And I said, you know what? I will gladly take this extra semester. Again, my degree doesn't have dates. I don't care if it takes me an extra semester when it takes the rest of my field four years. It doesn't matter. So I'd promised my grandmother, um, the Marine Corps band had come to my high school, my sophomore year of high school. And I said, wow, these guys are really good. And they were, they were phenomenal. And, I, and being a musician, I said, yeah, oh, that's, that's awesome. That's, I want to do that. So I told my grandmother, I said, hey, before you die, I'm going to audition for one of these groups. And at the time it was like, all right, whatever, cool. Yeah, sure. And she was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I think my sophomore year of college. And it was hyper aggressive. There were multiple times where she almost, she was in the hospital and I don't know how many of our listeners are uh, familiar with utilitarian calculus, but it's that classic story of, you know, you have a, a train going down, this, down the rail and you can either pull the lever left and essentially kill one person or one person that you know, or push it right and it'll kill five people that you have no association with. What do you do? And you can't save all of them. And you have to weigh your options and make that decision. There were multiple times where my grandmother would be in the hospital and then the doctor would look at me and say, what do you want to do? And it was put on my shoulders, not hers, mine. And once these occurrences became more frequent, I said, all right, listen, I'm going to audition for one of these military groups. I don't care if it's the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine Corps, the Coast Guard. I don't care. I'm going to, audition. I'm going to at least audition for one of these ensembles. And after doing my research, I realized there are the premier bands that are in uh, that are based out of DC, and most of these performers have 
their master's degrees, if not their doctor, if not their PhDs in whatever their instrument performance is. And they've been studying for decades to get to where they're at. So I said, I'm not that good. I'm, I'm fresh out of, high, out of college. I can play, but I'm not that good. Even if I prepared for it, um, let's see if they have any other groups. Well, I sent emails out to all, every ensemble I could think of. And the army was the first one that I sent my email out and I had a, an email back from an army recruiter within probably 20 minutes saying, Hey, I was actually in the back at your recital. I don't know if you saw me, but I was there. And if you are interested, I would love to have you on. And I said, oh, cool. So we start talking about the enlistment process, about the audition process, and I'm getting really excited. Because as, much, as, though, as excited as I was to start teaching, the contracts that I was receiving from uh, school dist districts really wasn't what I was looking for. The pay was okay, but the student body that I would be working with really, we just weren't a good fit because I was there to change their life. And a lot of these kids didn't want someone to change their life. They wanted to just get through their day. And as I'm looking through these contracts, I'm going, I don't really like this. Let's see if, let's see what the army has to offer. Well, as I start filling out the paperwork, it says at the top, you know, where does your mother live? Where does your father live? If they're alive, um, can we contact them? Do you have any information on them? And it was very basic stuff. And I said, and usually when I would be going through school and, I, and paperwork like that would show up, I would just click don't know or unknown or something of that like. And I said, you know what, Bobby, we're going on an adventure here. We're not just doing something where, oh, you're applying for a job. I said, this is a life-changing event. If you get in, you will no longer just be a person or a regular civilian. You'll be a veteran. So a lot of your life is going to change if this goes through. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to take this leap, if I'm going to really prepare for this audition and really see what happens, I might as well take another leap and not look and see if there's water in the pool. So I hopped on Facebook and I start looking around and I remember, and I know my dad's name and I said, well, let's type it in and see what happens. And I start looking and the first picture that pops up, I look at it and I go, there's no way this was that easy. There's literally no way that in today's day and age, I can just type someone's name in and boom, I can find the person that I've been really deep down. I've been, I've been wanting, I've been yearning for since I was five. There's no way this took me three seconds. And I click on his profile and I look and I looked at my buddy, Andrew, who is one of my best friends in college. And I said, dude, come here. I can't tell you what's going on. Did you have to get over here? He's like, all right. So he walks over. He goes, what? And I said, does this guy look like me? And he goes, uh, uh, the picture's kind of bad, but sort of. So I pulled my buddy, Ellen, Jake, and Katie over. And I said, you guys, I, I am going to ask you a question. And I need your knee-jerk reaction. I need you to yell it because I don't want you to have time to actually think about what you're saying. I just need you to say it. I'm like, uh, what, what is going on? It's, a, it's 10 o'clock at night. Okay, sure. What? And I said, does this guy look like me? And all three of them said, yeah, of course. Your facial structure is the same. Your nose is the same. And I, I had to hold back breaking down because I didn't know what to do. I was in shock. I'm like, oh my God, that's my dad. What? Do, okay. <laughs> I found him. It was that easy. 
like we live in a day today where we can, you can do that because there's ever, not everyone, but many, 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 many people have a massive digital footprint. And it seems that he did too. So once I, once I found out that he, oh, pardon me, hold on. Let me back, back this up a little bit. This was during my sophomore year of college where I was just, I decided to just look for him. Well, I finally decided when I was getting this enlistment process going to reach out to him. And I sent him a message and I said, hey, it's Bobby. I'm your son. If you, it, if you don't want anything to do with me, that's fine. I don't really care. I'm not looking for anything from you. I'm not here to get all that back pain child support. I don't care what I'm asking for. I need to know where you live. I need your phone number. And I need to know when you got your uh, DD-214 from the Army, which is the military form. It's the form that you get. It's the last piece of paperwork the, the military will give you saying, thank you for your service. You are now released from your, mil- from your contract. And I said, I need to know when you got your DD-214. And I sent it. And I just waited. And I waited. And I waited. And I'm going, it felt like years had passed. I'm going, this guy, he's never going to answer me. He doesn't know who I am. And if I know where he lives, I can very easily go after him for 26 years worth of child support. This guy's never going to bother with me. Well, within a half hour, he'd sent me all the information that I needed. And at the bottom of it, he said, I'm really sorry for what happened. Here's my phone number. If you'd ever like to meet up and talk, I would really like that. And I'll be honest with you, man. I didn't really know what to think. I didn't really know what to do because all of these years of anger, all of this hatred, all of this just frustration with what was go- what, I'd, what I'd lived through, and in a, in a sentence, melted away. Like, I, how, how, how do you, what do you do with that? Someone, someone that I haven't, you, you didn't want anything to do with me. You didn't even care to look. I did. And then I finally take that first step and you go, I'm sorry. I would, I would really like to meet up with you if you'd like. I just, I, oh, that was, it was mind blowing. I, it, it was insane to actually live through that moment. Hmm. All right, man, you got to finish the story, man. Did you call him? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I called him and I said, hey, let's. So growing up, it really didn't, I didn't care growing up. So my grandmother got emergency custody of me. Um, I, I remember I started telling the story and kind of went off on a tangent instead, but um, I, my great grandmother and my mom were very close and my mom refused to put my great grandmother in a home. So she said, Hey, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take care of you no matter what. And at this point, my mom was kind of near the end of her drug addiction or she was trying to get help, but was relapsing regularly and it was a mess. So we wound up breaking into our, one of our old houses that was up for sale because my grandmother owned the home and it was going to be a rental. And she said, you know, I know I have the key. Let's just break in and we'll stay here for a night or two. Well, my mom winds up bringing, she goes out and she buys some paper towels and comes home. And she goes, wait a second. I got the wrong paper towels. I'll be back. 
I have to go back to the store to grab a couple things. And I'm thinking, to my, I'm about five years old at this point. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I'm not the most intelligent person, but I know that paper towels do one thing. They clean up messes. I don't care if it's Bounty. I don't care if it's Brawny. I don't care if it's the Walmart brand. It doesn't matter. They clean up messes. So if we have to use two more sheets, you have to use two more sheets, but you don't really have to go somewhere to get new ones. But she left. So the house was cleaned out at that time. And there was, there was a, gallon, a half gallon of water in the fridge that someone had left when they were uh, cleaning the house out and no food. And I said, okay, that's fine. So my mom left that night and I look and the clock says that it's 11 o'clock and I'm getting tired. And I said, okay, let's put my great grandmother to bed. I'll go to bed also. And we'll, we'll find something to eat in the morning. Well, five o'clock hits and I'm starving because I haven't eaten all day. Well, I said, okay, let's look around the cupboards. Even though I knew, I knew I was not supposed to climb on the counter. I said, okay, there might be some food in the counter. Let's go look around the cabinets. So I climb up and I look in the back and there's a half box of Little Debbie's Donutettes, those white powdered ones that the powder gets everywhere. There were probably five or six of those in the box. And I said, oh, this is cool. We have some food. Well, my mom still isn't home. So about three o'clock in the afternoon hits. She's still not home. And my great grandmother goes, Bobby, I'm, I'm hungry. And she didn't speak English. So in German, she goes, you know, I'm, I'm hungry. Do we have any food? And I said, okay, sure. So I went and I got her one of those little donuts and broke it in half. And I said, here, this is all we have. I'll give you more when we have, when, after mom gets back. Well, a whole day passes and my mom is still not back. And my great-grandmother keeps telling me, Bobby, I'm hungry. Bobby, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And I said, well, I can give you water but we don't really have a lot of food. So we're going to have to make this work. And I gave her some, uh, you know, some more of the donuts. I had you know, a bite here or there, but that was it. Well, five days pass and my mom is nowhere to be found. We don't have any food left. We don't have any water left. And I remember laying in the living room and it's just empty. And I'm looking at the ceiling and I have this feeling come over me again, very similarly to how I did when I was at this one person's house and that fight broke out. And something in the back of my head said, Bobby, you're, if you don't do something drastic, you're going to die. Now, mind you, I'm five years old. Kids this young should not be having to experience these feelings. It shouldn't be a thing. And I understand that life is not perfect, but Again, a five-year-old should not be considering the fact that they might starve to death if they don't do something drastic. So I don't know why this took me five days to think of, but no, I do. My mom had told us, don't tell anybody we're here. I don't care what happens. You don't tell anybody we're in the house because we'll get in trouble. And you know, your mom tells you something. So I said, okay, cool. I won't tell anybody we're here. Well, at this point, I didn't think everything was going to be okay. So I went outside, knocked on my neighbor's door, and she looks at me and her eyes just, there's big as sausage. She goes, Bobby, what? I didn't know you were here. What's going on? And I said, can I borrow your phone, please? And mind you, this is when we had house phones and cell phones weren't really a big thing. This was still early 90s. And I called my grandfather and I said, hey, can you come over to the old house? I'm hungry. And he's just as bewildered. He goes, what? 
you're, what do you, uh, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. And he comes over and he looks at me and he goes, Bobby, what is, is your great grandmother here? I said, yeah, we're both here. He goes, where's your mom? I said, oh, she went to go get some paper towels, but she'll be back. And he took me out and we got some food and we came back and my grandmother saw me because she came with him and she goes, oh, no, 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 no. You haven't showered in a week. I can smell it. You haven't done any, you look emaciated. No, you guys are coming with me and we're going to, you know, I'm going to, you're coming with me. So after all of that, I was kind of, I remember thinking, why is this happening to me? I have two parents and I know I have two parents because every other kid has a mom and a dad. Where's my dad? Why am I going through this right now? Why is it that I have to go through all of this and my mom is the only one that cares? So for a long time, I really resented my father, really resented him. And growing up, um, especially when I became a teenager and I started getting into middle school and getting into sports, that I didn't realize that I was an angry kid growing up. When I started to get into contact sports, I realized I was a very angry person. <laughs> um, yeah, not having a dad there, it, it, it messed me up for a lot, a lot of years. I, I didn't understand where this anger was coming from. And that anger just stemmed directly from the fact that I felt that someone didn't want me. I felt that I, for years, actually really only until the past 10 years, really, I felt that I wasn't worth people's time. I felt that if one person that helped create me didn't want to be in my life or didn't want to be a part of me or my life, that I wasn't really worth people's time. Because if one person could do that, plenty of other people could do that too. And as I've grown up, I've realized that's not really a good mindset to have at all about it. But at the time, yeah, I really, I hated this guy. I, I remember I told myself, if I ever meet this guy, I'm going to beat him up as badly as I can. I don't care how big he is. I don't care how strong he is. I want him to feel how I felt because at the time I thought that's what was going to help and make it feel better, right? But yeah, it was, it was really rough growing up and not, it was rough growing up internally because I had all these complex emotions that I didn't deal with for so long and then having to put it on the table and go, listen, you have to deal with this. It, it, it took a while. It wasn't easy. Yeah, it breaks my heart to uh, hear stories of children that are neglected, which you certainly sound like you were. I, I, I just want you to know this, man. I, um, I went through an angry period, too, at my father, and the last time I saw him, I was no more than four years old. So we're certainly not alone uh, feeling that way. How did you shift that, though? You know, for me, I came to realize that, I don't know if the anger completely left. It took a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it, took, it took a long time, right? But, but this feeling of, there was a time that, that I went and searched for my father. Did you ever search for your father? Um, surprisingly enough, yeah. Um, so I decided, so my senior year of college, I didn't really have a big plan. I, the way scheduling worked out, I was going to have to either cram six classes into one semester, which could I have passed? Sure. Would it have been good work or even decent work? Absolutely not. It would have been complete. I would have had a mental breakdown. I could already see it. 
or I could have taken an extra semester to just focus on my student teaching. And I said, you know what? I will gladly take this extra semester. Again, my degree doesn't have dates. I don't care if it takes me an extra semester when it takes the rest of my field four years. It doesn't matter. So I promised my grandmother, um, the Marine Corps band had come to my high school, my sophomore year of high school. And I said, wow, these guys are really good. And they were, they were phenomenal. And I, and being a musician, I said, yeah, oh, that's, that's awesome. That's, I want to do that. So I told my grandmother, I said, Hey, before you die, I'm going to audition for one of these groups. And at the time it was like, all right, whatever. Cool. Yeah, sure. And she was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I think my sophomore year of college and it was hyper aggressive. There were multiple times where she almost, she was in the hospital and I don't know how many of our listeners are uh, familiar with utilitarian calculus, but it's that classic story of, you know, you have a, a train going down this, down the rail and you can either pull the lever left and essentially kill one person or one person that you know, or push it right and it'll kill five people that you have no association with. What do you do? And you can't save all of them. And you have to weigh your options and make that decision. There were multiple times where my grandmother would be in the hospital and then the doctor would look at me and say, what do you want to do? And it was put on my shoulders, not hers, mine. And once these occurrences became more frequent, I said, all right, listen, I'm going to audition for one of these military groups. I don't care if it's the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine Corps, the Coast Guard. I don't care. I'm going to audition. I'm going to at least audition for one of these ensembles. And after doing my research, I realized there are the premier bands that are in, uh, that are based out of DC. And most of these performers have their master's degrees, if not their doctor, if not their PhDs in whatever their instrument performance is. And they've been studying for decades to get to where they're at. So I said, I'm not that good. I'm, I'm fresh out of high, out of college. I can play, but I'm not that good. Even if I prepared for it, um, let's see if they have any other groups. Well, I sent emails out to all, every ensemble I could think of. And the army was the first one that I sent my email out and I had a, an email back from an army recruiter within probably 20 minutes saying, Hey, I was actually in the back at your recital. I don't know if you saw me, but I was there. And if you are interested, I would love to have you on. And I said, Oh, cool. So we start talking about the enlistment process, about the audition process, and I'm getting really excited because as much as though, as excited as I was to start teaching, the contracts that I was receiving from uh, school districts really wasn't what I was looking for. The pay was okay, but the student body that I would be working with really, we just weren't a good fit because I was there to change their life. And a lot of these kids didn't want someone to change their life. They wanted to just get through their day. And as I'm looking through these contracts, I'm going, I don't really like this. Let's see if, let's see what the army has to offer. Well, as I start filling out the paperwork, it says at the top, you know, where does your mother live? Where does your father live? If they're alive, um, can we contact them? Do you have any information on them? And it was very basic stuff. And I said, and usually when I would be going through school and, I, and paperwork like that would show up, I would just click don't know or unknown or something of that like. And I said, you know what, Bobby, we're going on an adventure here. We're not just doing something where, oh, you're applying for a job. I said, this is a life-changing event. If you get in, you will no longer just be a person or a regular civilian. You'll be a veteran. So a lot of your life is going to change if this goes through. 
And I said, you know what? If I'm going to take this leap, if I'm going to really prepare for this audition and really see what happens, I might as well take another leap and not look and see if there's water in the pool. So I hopped on Facebook and I start looking around and I remember, and I know my dad's name and I said, well, let's type it in and see what happens. And I start looking and the first picture that pops up, I look at it and I go, there's no way this was that easy. There's literally no way that in today's day and age, I can just type someone's name in and boom, I can find the person that I've been really deep down. I've been, I've been wanting, I've been yearning for since I was five. There's no way this took me three seconds. And I click on his profile and I look and I looked at my buddy, Andrew, who is one of my best friends in college. And I said, dude, come here. I can't tell you what's going on. Just, you have to get over here. He's like, all right. So he walks over, he goes, what? And I said, does this guy look like me? And he goes, uh, the picture's kind of bad, but sort of. So I pull my buddy, Ellen, Jake, and Katie over, and I said, you guys, I, I am going to ask you a question, and I need your knee-jerk reaction. I need you to yell it, because I don't want you to have time to actually think about what you're saying. I just need you to say it. I'm like, uh, what is going on? It's, a, it's 10 o'clock at night. Okay, sure, what? And I said, does this guy look like me? And all three of them said, yeah, of course. Your facial structure is the same. Your nose is the same. And I, I had to hold back breaking down because I didn't know what to do. I was in shock. I'm like, oh, my God, that's my dad. What? A, okay. <laughs> I found him. It was that easy. Like, we live in a day today where we can, you can do that. Because there's ever, not everyone, but many, 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 many people have a massive digital footprint. And it seems that he did too. So once I, once I found out that he, oh, pardon me, hold on, let me back, back this up a little bit. This was during my sophomore year of college where I was just, just I decided to just look for him. Well, I finally decided when I was getting this enlistment process going to reach out to him. And I sent him a message and I said, Hey, it's Bobby. I'm your son. If you, it, if you don't want anything to do with me, that's fine. I don't really care. I'm not looking for anything from you. I'm not here to get all that back pain child support. I don't care what I'm asking for. I need to know where you live. I need your phone number. And I need to know when you got your uh, DD-214 from the army, which is the military form it's the form that you get. It's the last piece of paperwork the, the military will give you saying, thank you for your service. You are now released from your, mil from your contract. And I said, I need to know when you got your DD-214. And I sent it. And I just waited. And I waited. And I waited. And I'm going, it felt like years had passed. I'm going, this guy, he's never going to answer me. He doesn't know who I am. And if I know where he lives, I can very easily go after him for 26 years worth of child support. This guy's never going to bother with me. Well, within a half hour, he'd sent me all the information that I needed. And at the bottom of it, he said, I'm really sorry for what happened. Here's my phone number. If you'd ever like to meet up and talk, I would really like that. And I'll be honest with you, man. I didn't really know what to think. I didn't really know what to do because all of these years of anger, all of this hatred, all of this 
just frustration with what was go what I'd, what I'd lived through, and in a in a sentence, melted away. Like, I, how 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 do you, what do you do with that? Someone someone that I haven't you you didn't want anything to do with me. You didn't even care to look. I did, and then I finally take that first step, and you go, I'm sorry. I would, I would really like to meet up with you if you'd like. I just, I, oh, that was, it was mind blowing. I, it, it was insane to actually live through that moment. Hmm. All right, man, you got to finish the story, man. Did you call him? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Ooh, team, that was a fantastic episode, y'all. Sorry to leave you on such a cliffhanger, but tune in next week. And I promise we are going to dive deep, deep. Hope everyone has a wonderful week and I'll catch y'all in the next one. Peace. I am excited to bring you my new book, Trendsetter, Seven Steps to Radically Stand Out to Be the Best You. This book details my journey of coming to the United States and being excited to embrace the American culture. But unfortunately, my culture was not accepted and I found myself being bullied as a young girl. And in this process, I decided that I wanted to disconnect from my culture to be more accepted into American culture. And through that process, I got so depressed from trying to fit in that I attempted suicide my freshman year in high school. So this book talks about the journey of what I did to become radically transformed, to be the strong woman I am today. This book is something that's really going to enable the reader to understand and embrace who they are, embrace what makes them special, and become radically transformed. Get your copy today at becomingatrendsetter.com. Again, that is becomingatrendsetter.com. Or check it out at my website at AishaThomas.org.